0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to this amazing interview. I'm really, really excited to bring this to you. This is a conversation between myself and Allie Worthington. If you guys don't know Allie, you're about to know her. You're about to be blessed by her. She's a wife. She's got five sons, y'all, five. So you better believe that I asked all the questions around raising boys. But even if you have girls, what we really focus on in today's conversation are how to raise real Incredible Kingdom Children. And Allie recently published her book. It's called Remaining You While Raising Them. And I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, I got an early copy of this book. And you know, those motherhood books, you're never sure. No offense, Allie. I love you. But I was like, I don't know. It was so good. Like, tactically speaking got to the root of like heart heart stuff when you are raising kids it talks a lot about modern motherhood why it's broken all the myths that we face as moms those habits that will actually help us show up in a deeper love, a deeper patience, creating more happiness in the season of motherhood. It's just an incredible, incredible book. I know you guys will love it. Go and grab it. It is now available and lean in because today's conversation is so good and it gets real, real. Hey friend, do you wanna grow your online business and actually make more money? Are you sick of feeling pressure to constantly show up on social media or be tied to your phone 24/7? Go refill your iced coffee because I'm about to teach you how to take your online business to the next level with God at the center of it all. I pray this blesses you. Let's get it. Well, hello, friend. I'm so excited you're here. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me on. So Allie, I've been reading Remaining You While Raising Them, your new book. I probably almost halfway through. I love it so much. And you sent me the PDF copy. So I'm I'm on my phone, like in the bathtub, just like reading this book and obsessing and loving everything about it. What, what came up for you? The inspiration to write this book? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, I'm the mom of five boys, stepdaughter, and I have one stepdaughter and I never wanted to write a book about parenting. I never even thought about a book about mothering because there aren't books just on mothering. It's always like, do this, do more. Here's a, here's three steps to raise great kids, right?" Right. Because I thought, well, A, I want to make sure I, my kids are grown before I tackle that. Because, I, I, you know, you see parenting books come out and like the woman has a two-year-old and you're like, good luck, right? Because <laughs> we're all parenting experts until our kids get a little older. But then I also kind of joked in my mind, like if I write a book about parenting or motherhood, one of my kids will automatically go to prison. So like, why, why risk it?
0: Oh, I but love there's that.
1: A, yeah, because like, I, I don't, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot here. But there was a church where I taught a lot a few years ago, and when Mother's Day came up, they said, hey, we want you to do the Mother's Day sermon, but we just want you to be like Allie, like be funny, be real, don't do a Mother's Day sermon how you think a Mother's Day sermon's supposed to be. And I was like, interesting. So you're just giving me free reign? Like I, I get to say anything? And they're like, yeah, just go for it. So I just kind of did my ode to realistic mothering and where we are in the state of motherhood, that motherhood is broken and it's breaking us, but it doesn't have to be Mm. that there are all this cultural garbage and it didn't have motherhood did not have to make women kind of die on the vine Mm. that if we as mothers were not emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy and had healthy relationships, we couldn't expect our children to be. Yeah. So we're putting everything into our children, and we're just withering away. And we wonder, like, why? Why am I so tired? Why do I feel resentment? Why do I feel so lonely? So I gave that message, and just thought, you know, this is a fun one-off thing. They're just letting me, they let me have fun on Mother's Day. And the congregation went, "Hey, can we get this in book? Can we get more of this?" And I went, "Okay, Lord. Well, let let me see if this is what you have for me." So it started a journey of figuring out what exactly happened to get us as moms to this position yeah um where we know we want great things for our kids we want them to have boundaries we want them to love jesus we want them to be emotionally healthy we want them to be able to give and receive love and take responsibility for themselves but at the same time we're not caring for ourselves at all mm. and care self care has been reduced to bubble baths and pedicures mm. I, so how do we make sense of this world? What's a better way? What does the Lord want us to know about how he created our children, his role in our lives, and to some degree, help us step back and realize we aren't God, but to some degree we've taken on that responsibility and the weight of that in our minds.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. I have so many questions that just bubble. Go up. for it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So, the first thing that you talked about that I wrote down, because it really landed, was you said, how did we get to this broken space in motherhood? Can you, what does that mean? What were you, what are you seeing when you look at the moms and the women that you speak to? What is, can you define that for me?
1: Yeah, I think for every woman, it's a little bit different, but it's all broken in a similar way. But all of our stories are different. For some of us, it's that we're just overwhelmed with mom guilt. Every time we open up Instagram, I know how you feel about Instagram. Yeah. Every time we open up Instagram, we're bombarded with everybody else who seems to be doing it better. Right. And we go, well, forget it. I mean, I, I quiz over a thousand women of what was the single biggest cause of mom guilt, social media. Wow. More than ourselves, more than our mother-in-law, more than our spouse, mother, more than our mom, social media. And one thing I'm constantly reminding women of, I don't, I don't say this in the book because I didn't. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be misunderstood, but yeah, a lot of family pictures you see on social media from influencers and people with a large following, those are curated and there's a business strategy behind it.
0: hundred percent people's
1: Yeah. This isn't people's normal lives. This is, this is photo shoots and wardrobes and life is, is this business that is, is, looks on, on Instagram, like it's just their natural real life. When in the background, it's a business strategy. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong for them. You know, women can do whatever they want as their business strategy, but it's not real. Yeah. So everybody else that looks at it goes, Oh my goodness, look, she grew the wheat in her backyard and now she's making organic wheat sandwiches for her (laughs) child that she's doing. And women are like, I'm cleaning the dog's throw up out of the carpet. And I feel terrible. So for a lot of women, it's mom guilt. For a lot of women, they have heard explicit or implicit messages growing up in Christian culture mm. that a woman's highest calling is to be a mother and everything else is is just a side note if she should do anything else at all. So there's a, yeah. there's a lot of guilt and mixed feelings about that. I'll tell you, the greatest joy in my life is being a mother. Yeah. I love it. I, one of my, my third son is graduating from high school this weekend and I already wept in senior chapel. I mean, just my heart explodes when I think about my children, but my greatest calling in this world is not to be a mother. It's to be a follower of Jesus. Yes. And that looks like helping women in my business. It looks like writing books for other women. It looks like being a great wife. It looks like being a mom, but being a mom is not is not my greatest calling. It's one of my callings. So when we mix that up and there's been a lot of teaching that have done damage to women, Mm -hmm. women who are like, I love my children, but I feel guilty that I'm also a teacher. I feel guilty that I'm also a lawyer. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with working. Women have always worked. It's just, it used to take women 10 hours just to wash clothes every day you know there's never been a time in history where women have just sat around and braided their children's hair and taught them latin all day women have always been busy working and one thing i found in the research for this book is women now compared to 50 years ago spend way more time actively engaged with their children than they ever did before really but a hundred percent but we feel so guilty that we're so distracted and we're not spending time with our kids 50 years ago, we were spending way less engaged in active child care. I mean, 50 years ago, kids were getting locked outside of their house and said, come home when the light comes
0: on. Come home to dinner. Come home for dinner. I'm hearing that from all parents, all sides.
1: Yeah. So this idea of, oh, I'm running my business from home and I'm balancing everything or I'm a working mom. I feel so guilty. Women have always worked. Women have never just sat around and doted on their children all day. And research shows doing that isn't actually good for them. It's good for them when they're little tiny. Mm. But then we, we get into this process that psychologists call differentiation, where we and the child, it, instead of just being that one unit, like when they're a newborn and an infant, we start to differentiate from each other psychologically. That's healthy. So that means as the child gets older, we're doting on them less, They're becoming more independent. They're their own person. They can go to school or if you're homeschooling, they can do things away from us and don't feel anxiety when they're apart. That's healthy. Mm. But in that process of differentiation, we also have to look at ourselves and go, I can give myself permission to take care of myself. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to work on my business. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I'm going to go to work today and I know things are okay. But in this culture of You've got to do everything all the time, and you know you got to spend spend this time and teach them Latin, and spend that time and grow wheat in your backyard and make sandwiches, and then knit socks for the poor. You know, whatever it is that we're putting these, this pressure and these jobs on ourselves, it's no wonder that women are withering on the vine and wondering why we're lonely and sometimes a little bit bitter about things.
0: Wow, that's so powerful. So, I know that awareness is the first step. Like, Oh, yeah. I'm guilty. I'm feeling guilty. I'm hearing Allie right now. And I see her points, but actually getting free from that is what it becomes so difficult. And then I want to talk to you about, cause I don't, I don't struggle with guilt. I struggle with the fear over yeah. influences of my kids and like all of that. And like creating all this worry for myself of things that hasn't happened. So I want to go there in a minute, but specific to the guilt the women who are yeah. really struggling in the guilt space. I just had a conversation with my sister-in-law at coffee yesterday who said, I feel so guilty. I'm home with my two-year-old and I'm still taking some of my um counseling clients. We had this same conversation yesterday, Ali. Yeah. And so I'm like, this is everywhere. How do you actually do something about it and and not just want to do something about it?
1: I think one of the healthiest things is to go, what do I feel like success for me should look like in this situation? Do I realistically think that my two-year-old needs me actively engaged with them for 12 hours straight? And when we think of it that way, like in your sister-in-law's case, it's generally a no, yeah, because we know like they're napping. We can bring in people to play with them while we get some work done, things like that, um, that Once we start understanding more of how little kids are wired, we can give ourselves grace. Mm. So there, I did this with my first son. I thought there's, he shouldn't go to preschool Mm -hmm. because he should be with me all the time. I didn't actually have the research and the data that showed how healthy it was for him to go to preschool or to go or to have a sitter come in and play with him because it was good for him to be engaged with other adults, not just me. Mm. So that guilt of going, what, how many hours a day do I feel like I want to spend actively engaged? And then for me, say she wants to treat, you know, four, or she wants to see four clients a day, that's preschool, bring a sitter in, and then just kind of sit back and go, do I feel like being away from my child or having someone else play with my child in this time is harming them? And when you put it into that perspective, you can go. Yeah, it's probably not harming them at all. They're probably having a great time playing. Yeah. And what we forget sometimes is sometimes it's as simple as, do I want to burn myself out in childcare activities all the time? Or do I want to step back from some of the childcare activities, do the, the other things that God's calling me to do, and then let me come back fresh to my child?
0: Oh, yes.
1: Yes. Because that's a game changer. And I'll tell you what worked for me two things, remembering that God is God for my children. And I am not God Mm. because when they are babies, when they're infants, every little thing we do does matter. You know, I mean, we got to take care of them (laughs) and the choices we make it, it. There's a lot of pressure on us, but as we get older, it's not, everything is so dire all the time. Right. So as we get older, we don't have to worry that if we make the wrong decision about everything, it's the end of the world mm-hmm. because God has created our children very individually with a plan for their lives that we cannot mess up. God knows if he's, if your child's going to have a bad influence in second grade. God knows mm-hmm. if the next door neighbor is going to be rude to your child. God knows if your child is going to have a developmental disability or problems down the road. God knows everything. He has a plan. He knows exactly what's going to happen to your child. And no matter what we do, we can't mess up God's plan. Mm -hmm. One of the coolest things for me was having so many children. I mean, there's five boys in a row yes. yes. and realizing they are all so different. Some of them were athletic wonders. Some of them were, you know, brilliant. Some of them were great with people. Some of them couldn't do any of those things, (laughs) but they had this other skill. It didn't have anything to do with what me and my husband did. It was who they
0: are. But I wanted to personally come on and invite you to the Profitable Podcast Bootcamp. This is a five day challenge, so to speak, for those of you who are interested in podcasting or who already have a podcast and you wanna know how a podcast works to grow an audience or make money online. I promise you it's so worth your time. It's an hour a day, Monday, August 14th. 14th through Friday, August 18th. And this one hour per day live challenge is gonna give you everything you need to know about why podcasting works, how to make money from a podcast, how to make sales really easy, and so much more. We're giving away swag, door prizes. We even have scholarships to my courses and programs valued at over $10,000. So we just wanted to come on and invite you. To be part of this challenge head right now over to stephaniegass.com bootcamp that's stephaniegass.com bootcamp and get registered right away you'll get entered to win free swag and the best part of all is you're going to learn how podcasting can potentially be a way for you to truly grow, make an impact and income in an online business, and allow you to have that freedom and that fruit of not feeling like you are tied to social media 24-7 or having to do a hundred different things to figure out a way to be successful for the kingdom of God. This is going to lay all of those pieces out for you in alignment with your faith. Again, stephaniegass.com bootcamp.
1: And then the other part of that, realizing that God has a plan for them and I can't mess it up, Mm -hmm. Um, but God chose me to be the mother. And my job is just to love and disciple and to make sure I put some boundaries on him. Then the other side is getting really heavy into research. So this book is, is very well sourced. There's like 12 pages of footnotes at the end. Yeah. When you start looking at research, it is very liberating. Mm -hmm. I dove into the Minnesota twin study where they have been studying twins for decades. And you can see twins who are separated as newborns grew up in completely different families who in adulthood scientists found and studied, and they are so similar. It's scary. Wow. I'm talking married women with the same name, had children with the very same name, had the same type of dog, had the same type of career. They both lived in the Midwest. They both vacationed in the same, same spot in Florida.
0: Wow.
1: Wild, all sorts of twin studies. So God made parents very important but God made genes very important too. Mm. So to some degree our children who God has knit together in the womb with their genetic structure as long as we support them and we guide them and we give them a healthy home to grow up in their genes are really determining a lot of the details.
0: Wow, that's and so powerful.
1: It's really really powerful and it and having that bit of research that shows hey what God has designed is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to worry that every little thing I do is the end of the world. It's real freedom. Mm-hmm. And it allows us to trust God instead of out of fear and genuine love for our children. Yeah. Thinking that we have to be God in their lives, but it's a real process to get there. Cause yeah. I'll tell you, it doesn't mean that you know, parents aren't important. It doesn't mean that I'm letting my kids watch game of Thrones or I'm giving them full access to the internet and saying, well, God has a plan for you. Still, the mom, but
0: not every little decision I make is the end of the world. Right. So how do you, you know, how do you discern between, I guess it's like, I, I love all of this and knowing like God has a plan. I'm not God. I can't mess it up. All of those things, but like the actual thing that comes up in your life. Like, let's say you're trying to decide between homeschool, private school, public school, for example, Yeah, you're like, God has a plan. So I can't mess this up, but you feel like the decision that you make impacts God's plan. I know that it doesn't and it can't, but in some weird way in my mind, it's like, this decision seems so big. Like the little ones, I can see that I'll let, I'll let God, I'm able to like, kind of let go, but these bigger decisions seem so critical. And especially now as the world feels like a dumpster fire and you're like, oh my gosh, how do I protect them? I think that's what it is. It's this, yeah. the fear of being the protector, the fear of keeping them from the internet and the things that you don't want them to see too soon. And like then crossing a line of either being obsessive about it or being unsure of the right decision. Does that make sense? Like how do you get yeah. yourself through those alley in trust and make the decision that feels good for you other than praying. Cause I think we do that.
1: Yeah. I think that I, I, am going to use the school one as an example, because okay. I've done it all with my kids. And when I always planned that I would homeschool my kids and then I ended up having a million. So it was time for the first one to go to school. And we went, <laughs> okay, well, I guess he's going to public school. There wasn't money for private school. And I had so many little kids at that point, we weren't in a place where we could do it. Um, but I remember praying about it and being like, this isn't actually what I want, but financially and in our life circumstances, this is, this is where we are, Lord Yeah, help us within a couple of years, we had taken a new job and we, the Lord really led us very clearly to it's time to homeschool. Mm-hmm. And then we did that for about two years and then situations changed financially. They changed and we were like, okay, it's time for private Christian school. mm mm-hmm. I think that we think if we make one decision, that decision is the decision forever and we can really screw it up. Mm. Like, because I sent my first son at five and a half to school, we lived in Rhode Island at the time. In my mind, it was like, oh, I guess all my kids are going to public school now. This isn't exactly where I thought they were going to be. You know, I thought I was going to homeschool, but it's, most decisions are not as impactful and life altering as we think they were. Because no matter what decision we make, if it's not the right decision in six months or a year or two years, the Lord will step in and go, hey, time for this now. I think that we think whatever decision we make, we're stuck with forever and it's life altering. It's a big deal at the time. Mm. But when we get a little aged, and wisdom, we can look back on some of those decisions that seemed huge at the time Mm -hmm. and go, yeah, it didn't really matter with kindergarten or it didn't like I've talked to moms who are wrestling over what preschool and it's the end of the world. And they're trying to get in this one preschool. And as someone that's raised a million children, I can say, does not really matter that much? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and that's not to—I don't—I don't want to say that in a hurtful way because no. it is—it will—it's the end of the world at the time. I've been there, right? Yeah. But if it's huge, and you're really going to mess something up, God is going to make it real clear. Um, so we've talked about before. My strategy in life is, Lord, I'm going to go in this direction. If this isn't what you want for me, please stop it. And you've never seen doors slam so much. Mm. But if it is God's will, He'll make a way. We've had—we had years. Oh, gosh, about 10 years ago, where they were in private Christian school, and much to my husband's dismay, I made him go with me. We marched in the headmaster's office and said, We can't pay tuition next year. We can pay this much. yep, yeah. Would you work with us? And he said, You know, my mom used to walk me and my six siblings into school gosh. and they let us come for free. So I'm gonna help you guys come out. That's a hundred percent God-making way. Yes. So when it's God's will that we do, we we make a decision. He will open those doors, right? Um, If, if we are confused about what God wants for us and parenting, if it is crucial, if it is a game changing decision, if it's one of those, like, if you go this way, you're in big trouble. If you go that way, you're happy. We can't think that God is like the cosmic football coach in the sky with his mouth hidden behind a folder. And we're like, if we could just tell what he's saying and yeah. he's in heaven going, you know, Jesus, I'm so frustrated that they can't tell (laughs) what hints I'm giving. If it's a big deal, God's going to make it clear. If it is not a huge deal, he's going to let us make the decisions. But when it's time to change those, he'll open those doors and push us in that direction.
0: You know, and I love that you... I love that you brought that up. Most decisions aren't life altering that God can transition it because maybe the reason he's not giving the clarity is they're supposed to take the first step and learn some kind of lesson that then he goes ahead and says, okay, now is the time, right? Everything's made in its time. So thank you. That's a big blessing to me. And I'm sure so many of the women listening, um, in the beginning, we were talking about like emotional health and self-care. Let's talk about that. Cause I'm one of these women, Allie, when you're like self-care, I literally went my bubble bath and then you're like, it's not bubble bath. So <laughs> we're going to dissect this because okay. I want to get into this. So let's talk about the self-care and the emotional health that you're saying makes such a difference in not going to this dry place and not going to this unhealthy place or, and all of that. Can you kind of unpack that for us?
1: Yeah. I defined emotional health in the book as the combination of spiritual health, mental health, and our relational health, our relationships with other people. And we all, as moms know, we want to raise emotionally healthy children. Mm -hmm. But the revelation for me was I can never expect my children, father in my house to be emotionally healthier than I am. Mm. Like I, I want these, it's like, trying to teach your children to eat sweet potatoes and chicken and broccoli for dinner when you're like y'all eat that i'm gonna be over here eating pop-tarts you know what i mean like it's just not going to happen so for me i went on this journey of going i i need to make sure i'm the healthiest i can be because if more is caught than taught Mm -hmm. they're watching everything i do so how's my relationship with people that i love whether it's my spouse or my friends How's my relationship with Jesus? Yeah. How's my relationship with myself? Am I beating myself up all the time? Am I am I putting my am I putting my needs on the shelf and then wondering why I'm so miserable in mm-hmm. different seasons? So it was really going, how do I live healthy? How do I live that abundant life that Jesus is calling me to live? So I can give my children the best chance to be able to live that life too.
0: Yeah. And when
1: we think about self-care, we do, we think of bubble bath and getting our toenails painted. But sometimes self-care is going to counseling. Oh, yeah. And self-care is learning to take a walk and just get outside and breathe deeply. And self-care is um, drinking enough water. One of the most powerful parts of self-care for me that I learned that my therapist taught me is just to ask in the moment, what do I need right now? Mm -hmm. Because the question, what do I need right now? Sometimes we need a nap. Sometimes we need a sitter to come in and help us. Sometimes we need a new software program for our business, you know, whatever it is, but we are so used to not checking in with ourselves and taking care of everybody else that generally we go, what do I need right now? I don't even know. But just making that self-care habit a habit, it teaches our children that yes, we are worthy too of care and love, not because of what we do, not because of achievement, because we, as moms, we are also daughters of God. Yeah, And we're teaching our daughters that they're worthy. We're teaching our sons that this is the way we carry ourselves too. very, very important. I can remember being eight years old and I didn't know what was happening at the time. I went to my aunt Shirley's house for Christmas one year and all the women in the house had been cooking for days. Yeah. I just remember realizing they aren't happy. Hmm. Like they were fishing for a lot of thanks. They were complaining at how long that they had been cooking. And I was like, I don't know what's happening here, but I don't want this to be me one day. And they were just following that tradition that's been passed down family after family of, we sacrifice and we serve whether we want to or not. Mm -hmm. And then we are going to make sure everybody else tells us how much they appreciated it, even though we didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. My aunt Shirley would have been happier letting somebody else in the family that wanted to cook do it, but she was the oldest in the family. So it was her job. And it was just so much obligation and resentment that built up with it. So I've always been looking at my life and and been in the habit of asking myself, do I actually want to do this before I pick up this weight and make it as my own? What's important to me as a mother? You know, with five boys, one thing that wasn't important through the year is housekeeping. Yes. Um, I kept it clean enough that no one got sick, but it was not a tidy house. (laughs) You know, if anybody came over to my house, they were going to have to stay on the porch. But I really (laughs) had to divide up for my sanity what do I need to prioritize and what do I need to put on the back burner for a little bit? And that's how I survived it because a lot of parenting little kids is just kind of survival through the years.
0: Yeah. I love that question. What do I need right now? So powerful. And I also love that you bring up, I think it's the definition of self care that we have so wrong then. Because you're right. It is, you know, we built a garage gym and every day for an hour, I go work out out there and we bring the kids out. We open the garage and it's a whole family. It's so fun. It's so amazing, but it's such a self-care thing for me and feeling my body well and being able to taking time to meal prep and to cook healthy food, all of that. But I've never, ever defined it, Allie, as self-care.
1: That is the best self-care because I mean, when you talk about just working out and meal prepping and eating healthy, your face lit up. Yeah. Like it makes you so happy. That's great. Self-care. Self-care is actually soul care. Mm. It's what makes us feel good. It's, it's how do we live the abundant life that Christ has for us? That's real self-care. It's taking time to be with the Lord every day. These are the things that help us live the life that we want to model mm-hmm. in front of our children. And I like that but we get caught out. up and, and, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, it was just, we get caught up in what should I be doing? What, what do I think people want from me? What's everyone else doing? What's this person on Instagram? Hello, hello. That's a whole business strategy. What's going on in her family. Right. And we get so caught up by this. We are just wondering why we feel so lonely and why we feel so exhausted all the time because we are mothering our children. But I believe when we're mothering our children, that God also calls us to mother ourselves.
0: That's so powerful. I like that you brought up the feeling obligated and really leaning into what's bringing you joy in your life and not, there are certain things that we think we have to do that maybe we don't have to do. Maybe there's a workaround. I actually um, teach something called the love it and the leave it list. I often do it for women in business, but this applies here too, right? Like, what are you doing in your motherhood that you love? And what are you doing that you could leave? And making that big list and then looking at the leave it list and saying, is there something that can be outsourced? Is there something that can be delegated? I used yeah. to drown Allie in 10 loads of laundry a week. And I just couldn't bring myself to have a conversation about it. I would just do it and complain and mumble and grumble. And then I was boxering a friend who teaches on systems at home. And she's like, you have to go and sit your husband down in a loving way, but have a conversation. Your family your boys are old enough. And I'm like, yeah. but my mom did my laundry, you know? And I'm like freaking out. <laughs> so I finally get up all this courage thinking like, this is going to be a big old thing. And he's like, okay, cool. We'll just do Thursday laundry night, babe. And I'm like, oh nice. my gosh, it's this easy. And now the kids do it, do it. And it's actually fun. We turn on fun music and it's like, why have I made this such a thing for so long? Right? So the love it and the leave it if that blesses anyone.
1: Yeah, you're like Aunt Shirley preparing the big meal and like I hate cooking this meal. This is terrible. I I'm this we have so much laundry. I get it. Oh, and gosh. I like to do it because I'm obsessed with getting stains out. Like it mm. brings me joy. Ooh, so come, I over. Will,
0: come over. Come yeah. over, Allie.
1: I love it. I love it. It's it's my it's a gift. And I will I will wash it all, but then my 16-year-old gets paid five dollars a week. He has to do it. Five dollars is just a little thank you. To put it all, he puts
0: it all away twice a week. Uh, and so, so, you know, it's just whatever, whatever system we need, it just works. And the fact that that brings you joy, you will yep. like, you kept that piece for yourself. It's like, lean into the joy. What are the things okay. you actually do love? And then of course we have to do some things we don't love. We're not saying like, of you, but I and, like you came up with a solution that felt really good for you. Okay, last yeah, one. as soon as my kids hit
1: kindergarten, we bought really we bought just garbage dishes and really thick glasses that we didn't think would break. And kindergarten is you unload the dishwasher before
0: school. So every good.
1: We haven't unloaded or or loaded a dishwasher that we didn't want to in about twenty two years.
0: I'm gonna start that one because I got a kindergartner over here, friend. (laughs)
1: Yeah. You just put the nice dishes away, really thick. Like I remember in kindergarten, we used coffee mugs for a whole year because we were like, we don't want him putting glass away. Hey, whatever you gotta do, but then there was no more dishes for you to deal with. It it
0: works. Oh my gosh, brilliance, pure brilliance. Okay, last question for you. How can a mom? I think we ask ourselves the question like, am I failing them? am I doing okay? Am I doing a bad job? Oh, I yelled at them. I'm an awful mom. Like how can a mom be sure she's doing a good job raising her kids?
1: Okay. I want to answer it in two ways. Cause okay. this is the question that all women want to hear. The first one is, is a little more vague, but hold, hold with me. Good moms ask that question.
0: Hmm.
1: Bad moms don't ever question it. I can remember when I was seeing a therapist and I said, Hey, we've worked through all these issues. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a career where I have to help a lot of people. I need to know what my blind spots are. Like, am I a narcissist? If I'm a nurse, you know, we need to work through it. And she laughed and she said, listen, (laughs) and my decades of working with people, I can tell you one thing, no narcissist ever says, am I a narcissist? Just by chance, (laughs) let's work with it. She was like, you're fine. And it's kind of the same thing with mothering the women who say, am I doing a good job? Am I a good mom? Only the good ones ask that question. You're not accidentally messing your children up for life. If you're the kind of woman who asks that question, that's the one thing. So just the fact that if there is a mom wondering and praying, going, Lord, help me be a good mom, help me not make big mistakes. I promise you, you're fine. God's going to lead you and you're going to be, you're going to be good. But the second part of it, a little more practical, it's important to realize that if we are constantly working on our emotional health, that's our mental health, spiritual health, and our relationships with others, our relational health, the overflow of that is naturally that we're going to be a good mom Mm. because you can't work on your relationship with Jesus. You can't work on loving other people. Well, You can't work on making sure your mental health is good. You can't do all of those things and then accidentally screw up your kids and be a bad mom. The natural overflow of those things is being a great mom. You can't get it wrong if you're doing those things. So stick to your emotional health. The overflow is being a terrific mom to those kids.
0: So if you've asked yourself, am I a good mom? Am I, you are, you are, you're doing a great job. 100%. I mean, think about
1: it. We can all... We all have an image of a bad mom in our heads, imaginary not. Is she wringing her hands, praying, saying, Lord, help me be? No, no, those two things do not compute.
0: <laughs> so true. It's, it's so true. We're so in our heads about so much of it. Yeah. I've taken like five pages of notes. This has been such a blessing for me as a mom. And I just pray that this has been such a blessing and seeds of wisdom into all of my listeners, Allie. And I know that your book, R- Remaining You While Raising Them, is available. And so can you tell us a bit about the book and where they can get it? Because I know they're going to want to go deeper into this topic. And then where else can everybody come connect with you?
1: Yes. Oh, thank you for asking. I am so proud of this book. I feel like everything I've done in my career has, has ended up here. And this is really my, my love letter to moms everywhere. And I hope that this is the book that moms buy themselves and they buy their friends and moms buy their daughters who are pregnant. And because I think there's a better way that we can live out motherhood without all the guilt and without all the pressure and knowing that we can walk in confidence every day with this job that God has given us. So I'm excited about the book. You can get it everywhere, wherever you like books. Uh, I have a podcast, uh, the Allie Worthington show. So if you like to listen to things, you can get the book on audible. Um, And I'm just, I'm thrilled that you brought me on. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. And I've been reading the book and I can attest to how good it is. I was, you know, going to interview you. So I'm reading like the first few and then I find myself like really, really into it. Like it's so good. And it really, I love that it's got the storytelling and it's got a lot of research. So you're going to get a little bit of everything. So you guys go get that for sure. Go listen to Allie. Thank you so much for being here. Did you have fun or learn something? Leave mama a review. Quitty, please. I hope you love today's episode, friend. I pray it stretched you, challenged you, or grew you in some way. If so, would you stop right now and share this episode with someone else who's been praying for a business breakthrough? It would also bless me big if you'd take 30 seconds and leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. Lastly, come watch my free workshop where I'll teach you how to grow your online business in less than two hours a week using podcasting watch right now at podcastforgrowth.com. I'll see you in a few days. God bless.